The following message was preached at Flint Hill Baptist Church. We would love for you to join us on Sundays for life groups and worship, or on Wednesdays for adult Bible study, kids, and youth activities. For more information, visit flinthill.net. Let me ask you to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I am so thankful to be able to be here with you this morning in the house of the Lord. And it's just great. I'm just so thrilled uh, to have the opportunity to pastor this church and to preach uh, as often as God gives me the opportunity to preach. And uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, I've kind of been in a series now talking about a firm foundation. If you've been with me since the beginning of January, you, you, you remember this. I'm not re-preaching this, but I talked about God's really impressed on my heart. How, how can we be a strong church? And of course, strong churches are made up of strong Christian believers, brothers and sisters in Christ. And so he's been reminding us, I believe, that to be a strong church rooted firmly in a, on a on a solid foundation, first and foremost, we've got to be a church that preaches, teaches, and lives the gospel. I shared that with you. We also need to be a church that's rooted in the grace of God. Then I shared about the love of God, that God demonstrates His love for us, that it's steadfast, that it's faithful and uh, covenantal. But then also our love for God, and that God requires a response from His love. And today, I'm going to share just real briefly about faith. Uh, how, how critical and how foundational the element of faith really is. In Hebrews chapter 11, uh, it's been called the Hall of Faith. And you'll see this in just a moment. I'm going to read a few verses together this morning. When we talk about faith, the definition of biblical faith, literally that word faith uh, in your New Testament in particular, means to trust in, rely upon, and depend on. I mean, you want to break it down. It literally means to trust in, rely upon, and to, and to depend on. Uh, as, a, as a church, as a believer in Christ, we are called by faith. I mean, we're saved by grace, yes, but through faith. We are called as a people to trust in, rely upon, and depend on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, when God's people move from faith, then we have uh, neglected uh, God's great provision, Him personally, we have turned away from Him because He responds to our faith in Him. Uh, to, to believe and trust and rely upon the, God, the Lord brings glory to God. To trust in Him and rely upon Him. Uh, Rick said it yesterday. Uh, if you were there with us, I know many of our men weren't able to, uh, some of them weren't able to make it because of sickness. But he shared yesterday one of the great issues in his personal walk with the Lord was self-reliance. That he had come to a part in his life where he had God in a box and he, he, he had everything kind of cut in and he went to church and he did his thing and all that stuff. But then God brought him to the knees and you know his story in 2016 when his son passed away. Uh, Bonner, I believe is his name. But he said through that, God brought him to the realization that he really was not depending on, trusting in, and relying upon the Lord. And now we're not talking about salvation, we're talking about Christian life. That Rick had come to a place, and I'm just not putting words, but he shared with us that he was depending more on himself. What he could do and how he could do it. 
Truth is, biblically, if you read your Bible from the beginning all the way through the New Testament, the church, the people of God, unfortunately have neglected to trust in and rely upon and depend on the Lord. It's been a subtle shift. I really believe for us today, God's calling us as a people. He's reminding us as a people that He is able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. The problem is we just quit asking. We, can't, we quit trusting in Him. We quit relying upon Him and depending on Him, believing that God is still doing a work today. Now listen, I, I'm not, I am preaching to you, I guess. But I'm one of us. I'm as guilty as some of you are, maybe all of us. I, I, remember, in, I remember so clearly... Uh, not long after I got saved, God called me into ministry, and, I mean, and he called me to St. Elmo Baptist Church. Little bitty church outside of Mobile. They have one tra uh, little caution light right there on the road. And I remember emphatically, I mean, you know, this whole concept of trusting the Lord, relying upon the Lord. And, I, and I, again, I'm young, I'm, I, I'm very inexperienced, I'm probably not much more today, but that was a long time ago. And uh, I just remember in a very subtle way, God had called me to, to that youth pastor position. Um, I barely had enough gas to get there and to get home. I didn't have any food in the fridge uh, to eat that morning. I didn't have nothing to eat. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to ask or talk to. I was young and didn't know what to do. And I show up to church early like I did on pr pretty much every Sunday. And uh, I remember... One of the senior adults in that church. Thank you, Jesus, for senior adults that listen to Jesus. I'm in the church house, and this older gentleman comes in and says, Hey, I said, Hey, how are you doing? He said, I got something for you. I said, Okay. I didn't know what it was. He said, God told me to give you this. And we go outside, and he had one of the big chested coolers like this. He said, Man, you like to eat meat, don't you? I said, Absolutely. He said, we just killed one of our calves and slaughtered it. And he said, the Lord just impressed my heart to give this to you. He said, do you eat vegetables? I said, I sure do. He said, we just picked the garden. I mean, that thing was full of food. Trusting in, relying upon, depending on the Lord. Very early in my life, I remember God called me specifically to go to, to the Philippines. I don't know if you've ever been there. God called me on a mission trip. I'm young in the Lord. I was in a revival service. And, I, and uh, God just emphatically spoke into my heart and said, you need to go. I said, all right, Lord, I'm going. I committed to go. It cost $2,500. I had no idea. I was as poor as you could get, working three jobs, trying to make ends meet, newly married. I didn't have any money to speak of, but I just had faith that God was going to make a way. So I, so I went home and told Paula. I said, honey, God's called me to go to the Philippines. And she said, well, that's great. He didn't call me to go. And so, now she's not here, so I can say that. But anyway, um, but anyway, God, that's a funny story, but anyway, that's not for here. But God ended up did calling her to go. But I want you to tell, honestly, Brother Johnny Tucker, incredible evangelist out of Centronelle, was preaching the revival. Man, he's, I mean, just God's moving. On that Wednesday night after revival's over, I mean, man, John, Brother Johnny and his wife, they're, they're going to take me and Paula out to eat. They probably knew we didn't have a whole lot of money and said, hey, won't we take you out to eat? I said, that's great. And uh, during dinner, Johnny says, hey, the Lord has impressed on me 
to give you all that God has blessed me with this week. $2,500. I, I looked at it, I'm like, oh my goodness. I said, here, I handed it back to him. I said, how much is it going to cost to go to the Philippines? He's like, no, 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 don't give that to me. I said, what do you mean? The Lord's provided. Of course, his wife, like most wives have to do, had slapped him on the side of the head and said, hey, Johnny, if the Lord told you to give it, the Lord told him to give it back. So it's okay. That's what God's provided. That's what they taught me. Early in my Christian life, God is able to meet every need we have. And you say to me, well, you still struggle. Yes, I know you struggle. I'm not saying the absence of adversity or struggle. I'm saying as a Christian, God has called us to trust in, rely upon, and depend on Him. Literally, as a church. If we ever get to a point, and maybe we're there, maybe God wants to convict our hearts today. When a church moves from trusting in the Lord and into themselves, they will not see the move of God in their midst. It won't happen unless you repent. Biblical faith. Hebrews chapter 11. I, I, I'm just going to read these scriptures. Uh, it, it, it really is a hall of faith. There's several things here going to bring out this morning. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks even though he's dead. And by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He, he could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. In verse 6, I don't know if you underline asterisk, put a little asterisk, underline verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Verse 7, by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in a promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Verse 11, by faith, Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah, herself barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. Jump over to verse 16. Talking about Abraham, talking about all the people of faith. And said they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed, make a little note there, underline, to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. Biblical faith, we talk, we have already said it, trust him, rely upon and depend on the Lord. The nature of biblical faith, two things come out of this, assurance of things hoped for. That's what he says in verse 1. 
Now, faith is being sure or have the assurance of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Assurance of these things, that is what faith is. Faith is a living hope that is so real that it gives us absolute assurance. It's not blind faith, folks. It's not some wishful thinking or faith. It is built solid on what? The Lord God Almighty. He is real. He is ever much as real today as he was in the days of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and on and on. He is very real. The word of God that he's given us. So we have a faith built upon these wonderful promises of the Lord. His person and his promises. But we have this assurance. Um, the Greek word here, the assurance, appears two other times in Hebrews. One is in chapter 1, verse 3. It's rendered exact representation. In other words, talking about the likeness of God. In chapter 3, verse 14, it's rendered assurance. The same thing here in this passage as well. And here's what it refers to. The essence, the real content, the reality, as opposed to mere appearances. Faith, then, provides the firm ground on which we stand. Waiting for the fulfillment of God's promise. Faith is the present essence of a future reality. Having that assurance. Uh, we shared this morning in Bible study. We're in Genesis. Or we're finishing up that little passage in Genesis. Uh, how do we know that we are born again? The Bible says by faith. Yeah, we're saved by grace through faith. But there's an assurance. There's a, there's a reality that happens when you're born again. When you know Christ personally as your Lord and Savior. The cutting away of the old nature. That's what he talks about. Not only does biblical faith give us the assurance of things hoped for. But there's a conviction of things not seen. Mm. MacArthur makes this statement The person of faith lives his belief Let me pause there again A person of faith lives his belief His life is committed to what his mind and his spirit are convinced is true I want to ask you a question this morning Do you believe that Jesus is Lord? You don't have to answer Don't answer don't answer, Roy. Do you believe the evidence of our faith in that declaration is in the life that we live? Y'all with me? God has always made it clear and plain. His people live by faith. That means that we have a conviction. We're certain of these things that we hold dear and true. It impacts our life. In other words, if I say I have faith in Christ and there's no change in my life, something's wrong. But the evidence that I, that I know Christ is the evidence of a changed life. Conviction of that. What are our convictions today? What do we hold to be true? Well, anyway, the, the writer here in Hebrews right here, chapter 11, he lists for us several things here about the testimony of biblical faith. And I love this because in, in, in each of these occurrences, each of the situations here, it testifies, it illustrates, it brings to life what biblical faith really is. What's interesting is here in verse 3, look at it. It's talking about creation. The illustration of faith. In other words, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. He spoke and it came into being. Uh, we're a creation. I mean, if you believe the Bible, you're a creationist. In other words, you believe God is creator of the heavens and the earth. To God be the glory. He made all of this, not just what we see, what we don't see. 
I mean, he wouldn't contain just the earth. Think about the universe, the expanse of it, the magnitude of it. And now listen, I am not a scholar on that at all. Some of y'all probably are. Um, but I'm just going to be straight up honest with you. When I was a lost teenager and a senior in high school at Thompson High School, I had a textbook that uh, showed how I had evolved from this uh, tadpole. I was lost, never went to church, but I thought to myself, I'm like, that doesn't sound right. I mean, you know, I'm looking at these pictures, and I'm just being straight up honest with you. There was something wrong with that. When I came to faith in Christ, I realized that God created the heavens and the earth, and he created humanity. There really is a creator behind the creation. Um, There's no doubt about that. In in fact, creation illustrates faith. In other words, the, the stars do what the stars do. The heavens declare His glory. They, by faith, just do what God created them to do. Uh, Not to uh, continue on in that. Creation testifies that God is real. Testifies. The the second one is Abel. I love this. He says, by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain did. Uh, and, And Abel's testimony, his life that he lived, even in the context here in Hebrews 11... That he, he was worshiping in faith. And on contrast, Cain was not. Cain brought an offering, but it wasn't a good offering because he didn't offer it in faith. Don't miss this, church. Please hear me. Worship is not a service that Gavin puts together on Sunday morning. Worship is the extension of your life, your love, your adoration for the one true living God that you bring with you every Sunday. Abel offered himself by faith. The offering was the extension of his faith in worship. The same every Sunday. To God be the glory, you're here. It'd be different us preaching to empty chairs this morning. But make no mistake, when you walk into the house of the Lord, you're bringing an offering. And friend, I'm not talking about the offering plates that's going to come around a little bit later. I'm talking about your life that you bring. The worship. Do you realize we can sing beautiful songs but not worship the one true living God? That's what Cain did. Cain went through the ritual, went through the motion. He brought an offering, but there was no worship. There was no faith in that offering whatsoever. That's what the the writer here illustrates. The scripture illustrates. Abel's offering was by faith, personal faith, trust in, dependence upon, relying upon the one true living God. And God blessed that. It's the same thing for me and you. When we worship by faith, we're acknowledging that my hope is in Christ alone. My trust, my faith, my life is in His hands. God, help us to worship by faith. Please, y'all hear me on this. I I hope you understand. I hope you're hearing me this morning. You can worship the Lord any place, anywhere. You really can. You can have uh, music that's rocking and rolling, get all in it. Or you can have slow. You can have instrumental. You can be in silence. And worship the one true living God. It really speaks to the condition of our heart. God's calling us to worship Him by faith today. Friend, uh, just hear the word of the Lord. God, If God is admonishing or instructing or exhorting you right now, then praise be to God. God is pleased when His people worship in faith. Uh, the third one is Enoch. It's interesting, oh, Enoch never, never faced death on earth, but he was caught up into the heavens, uh, taken away, the Bible says. Uh, and so what do we see with Enoch is about him walking with the Lord. In fact, the scripture uh, makes it clear 
uh, that, that, he, that he was taken away because he was one who pleased the Lord, that God was pleased with his life, and he just continued walking on into heaven uh, to meet the one true living God. But the emphasis is here as us. And again, in Hebrews 11, the emphasis is by faith we walk, by faith, not by sight. That as a Christian, as a believer, as the church, God calls us to walk by faith. Uh, the term walk, I mean, is, me, is used throughout the New Testament. Y'all know this. Y'all remember in Romans 6, we're buried with him through baptism. So we too may walk in a newness of life. 2 Corinthians, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Walk by the Spirit in Galatians 5, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Walk in love in Ephesians 5, just as Christ loved you and gave himself up for us. Christ even speaks of our fellowship with him in heaven as we walk. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Revelation chapter 3, verse 4. Here it is, like Enoch. Every child of God here today should walk with God every day he's on earth. Here's the deal. When we get to heaven, we're just going to keep on walking in our faith in Christ. It doesn't start then. It starts now. But the emphasis is by faith. When we walk by faith, we don't walk by sight. This is a, this is a challenge. This is where the rubber meets the road in our lives. Personally, I can, I can spend all day talking about the personal impact of how walking by faith, trusting in the Lord, relying upon the Lord, depending on the Lord. With my faith, my family, my life, my finances... All of this is to be brought to the Lord and say and saying to the Lord, when we bring to the Lord, when we want to honor the Lord, God, I need your help. I'm depending and trusting on you. So we see that with Enoch. And, and I would submit to you today that we as Christians are called to walk, walk, live our lives. That's the emphasis there, that word, to live our lives in a way that honors God and shows the world that we live by faith, trusting in the Lord. Now, Noah's an interesting fellow. Verse 7 says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. He was afraid. You know why? Because the Lord said, I'm going to judge the earth. And the fear of the Lord moved on him to do what God called him to do. We see in the life of Noah that he was obeying in faith. Now, Roy, I know you probably want to say something here, but you don't have to. James chapter 2, verse 26 says, Faith without works is dead. Uh, true faith always has actions to support its claim. Uh, it, it is unmistakably, undeniably, when you say you have faith in the Lord, it is evidenced by the fruit that flows out of your life and my life. Uh, it, it is just verifiable. It is clear as a bell. Uh, Jesus said it this way, Every good tree, talking about a Christian, bears good fruit. I mean, how do, you know, how do you know it's an orange tree? There's oranges. I mean, it's, come on, it ain't rocket science. How do you know it's an apple tree? There's apples on it. Unless there's no fruit, that's another story altogether. The fruit are those things that come out of our lives. The words that we say, the actions we have, the life that we live, all of that is the evidence, the fruitfulness of a life lived in faith. No evidence by obeying the word of the Lord. You know, it's interesting that Jesus said it this way. If you really love me, you know what he said? You'll go to church. Isn't that right? <laughs> That's not right, Sheila. You're right. Thank you for staying with me. 
He said, if you love me, you will. Help me, I can't hear you. I'm, I'm half deaf anyway. What did he say? If you love me, you will. Thank you. Keep my commandments. You're going to obey his word. Some people say, oh, it's legalism. No, it's a love relationship. It means I want to honor the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. It means I revere him and respect him. We just sang a song. There's no one higher. You believe that? I do. Do we live that way? Do we really live the surrendered life and say, Lord, I believe there's no one higher? Now we get to Abraham, the life of faith. Boy, he spends a lot of time here in Hebrews chapter 11 talking about Abraham and about his life and about God calling him from a land that he didn't even know of. And Abram goes. Then, he's, then he says, you're going to be a father of many nations. And Abram's like, I'm old and I don't have any children. And he says, that's okay, I'm going to take care of it. And he promises. And then the patience, we see the patience of Abraham by faith, trusting. I mean, he struggles, no doubt about it. We just did that this morning in Bible study, talking about Abram. But God comes through and God brings that promise. And by faith, Abraham becomes a father of many nations. I mean, it's a beautiful picture of the life of faith. It's the same for me and you. We're on a pilgrimage. We're on this journey. Wherever your journey is right now, I can promise you God's in the midst of it. If you're a child of God, He's with you no matter where you are. How long your journey is, none of us really knows. But it's not the length of your years. It's what you do with your years that honors the Lord. Abram said, I'm going to choose to live by faith. And it was credited to him as righteousness. It's the same for me and you. You want to please the Lord? Live by faith. You want to honor the Lord? Live by faith. Abraham understood that. He did that. Now there's an exhortation here. That's a fancy word. That means the Bible is calling us to respond. He's exhorting us. And there's two, I, I mentioned this earlier. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. I want to remind you of this. Because in the context of this whole passage, we see when he, when he talks about Enoch, he says this, And without faith, it's impossible to please God. I, I just want to say to you, the exhortation of this scripture today, number one is this, that we, let's do, on the positive by faith, if you want to please the Lord, you've got to live by faith, not your own self. Trusting in Him, relying upon Him, depending on Him. What, what does that mean? You've got to believe that He exists. Now, I know you know that. I, I think you do. I hope you do. But it's not just in some theory. I mean, really is with you every single day. No matter what you're going to face, no matter what's going on in your world, God is with you, very present. Biblically, that's the truth. Living, it's another story. He's admonishing, he's encouraging, he's exhorting us to live in the awareness of God's presence. And I, and I will say this, he makes no bones about it. God blesses his people that live by faith. I didn't say your life would be easy or simple. Not at all. Please don't misunderstand. I'm not talking some health, wealth, prosperity. I'm saying by faith. You want to be a person of faith, God will bless you. Now, he does provide great provision. I declared that earlier. But I'm going to talk to you, I can talk to you all day long about the peace of God that passes all understanding. I will tell you that the God's peace and His presence in a believer's life is a great, great, great reward no matter what we're walking in or walking through. His peace guards our hearts and our minds. God blesses His children who choose to live by faith. The last thing is this, the exhortation is this. And I, and I can't help it, but I, I see this in verse 16. Look with me again. 
talking about all this in, the hall, in this hall of faith, all these different people. The scripture says, therefore, that means in light of everything that's come before, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. You know, I've preached a lot about us not being ashamed of the Lord, us proclaiming the gospel no matter where we are. But from this vantage point, the scripture's looking at it from God's viewpoint. And God looked down on Enoch and Abel and Abraham and Noah, and he said, I'm not ashamed of them because they chose to live by faith. Please hear me, church. What I say of you means nothing. In the eternal life, when God looks down on you, what is he saying of you today? Can I share some good news with you? I mean, some great news. If you're right now, right here in this room, and you might say, I'm not sure God would be pleased with the way I'm living my life. That today, right now, right here, you can turn to the Lord. That's what the, that's what the scripture is trying to exhort us to do. To be men and women who will live by faith, trusting in, relying upon, depending on the Lord God Almighty. So I would say to us right now, we're about to have what we call an invitation. Friend, if you're here today and you need to confess openly, publicly, come to an altar, make an altar where you are, but you need to agree and say, Lord, my life is not pleasing to you. If, that, if that's you, don't sit there. Don't stay in that. Please hear me. Turn to the Lord. Choose today, right now, right here, to live by faith in Christ alone. To trust in Him, to rely upon Him, to depend on Him, no matter what, no matter where, no matter how. That's what my heart's desires to be. So pray with me right now, if you will. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come before you. God, I know all over this auditorium, this sanctuary this morning, Father, there may be hearts that are all over the place. I ask God that you would just capture our hearts right now. God, your word is clear and it really exhorts us and challenges us and maybe even convicts us this morning that maybe we're not living the life that you want us to live. And maybe right now you're knocking on the door of our heart to really ask us to turn back to you. Maybe to trust you in ways we never have or haven't in a long time or maybe to rely upon you and depend on you. Maybe it's to turn to you for the first time. God, I, I'm just asking, Lord Jesus, right now, right here, would you do a work in our hearts? I, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would look down from heaven and not be ashamed. Not be ashamed of the people of God here at Flint Hill, your people of God throughout this southwest area, your people in general. God, we heard yesterday and we're hearing still today, God, you're calling us back to you, to a life of trusting in, relying upon, and depending on you, Father. So have your way in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.
Will you stand with me, church? Here at Flint Hill, we have what we call a response or an invitation. Friend, if you're here today, if you even if you're a guest, and you know that God's laid on your heart, and you need to turn to the Lord, maybe for salvation, for forgiveness of sin, you come. Make that public. Come on down. I'll be over here on the side. If you're here today and you know God's called you here to, to plant your feet, to serve the Lord, that God's calling you to be a part of the family of faith here at Flint Hill, come. Make that public. Whatever it is, you be faithful to respond to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Amen? We're going to sing this together. I'll be here waiting.